ancient tools for modern living. I am your host, Sipora Gerson Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and certified yoga therapist in Atlanta, Georgia. So for those of you that are new around here, I'm really excited that you're tuning in. Ancient Tools for Modern Living is a podcast dedicated to promoting and supporting mental health in all stages from awareness to recovery through practical yoga, lifestyle, and spiritual growth. So here we do that through exploring the intersection between mental health, practical yogic lifestyle tips, and other psychological concepts and ideas rooted in Eastern traditions. So here you'll find everything from information on some of the deeper teachings of yoga and their applications to various mental health challenges, meditation practices, mindfulness, holistic lifestyle, nutrition, psychology, and a whole lot more. So if you're looking for a more holistically oriented approach to mental health, you are in the right place. Mental health advocacy is a huge part of this work as well, especially dismantling some of the stigma that exists around mental health in both the mainstream and spiritual community. So if you are someone who struggles with mild to severe mental health challenges, you help someone, love someone, know someone, work with someone, or are simply interested in learning more about this kind of work, you're also in the right place. Keep in mind what works for someone may not work for someone else, and therefore there's no right or wrong way to recover. So you can think of the information that's presented here as kind of a buffet of sorts. Maybe there's something that really resonates with you. You can have a lot of it, and maybe your curiosity is sparked a bit, and you could try a little, and then if there's something that you really are not interested in, you can leave it completely. So there will always be links in the show notes for any books or articles that are mentioned, as well as national hotline numbers that are there in case you are in need of some additional support or someone you know is needing to get help. I also want to make sure that everyone understands that this podcast is not a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health counselor or a physician. So with that said, I just want you to know where you can find me, which is at www.innerskytherapeutics.com. The podcast lives there, as well as a bunch of other information about my private practice. Um, and I am also on Facebook at Inner Sky Therapeutics, and Ancient Tools for Modern Living has a Facebook page as well. And on Instagram as at Inner Sky Therapeutics and at Ancient Tools for Modern Living. And of course, those links will also be available in the show notes. So today I am really excited to share an interview that I conducted actually last summer with Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. Dr. Avanti is a physician who, after medical training in emergency medicine, began a journey to find her joy again and to help people truly heal. This calling led her to training in a variety of healing traditions and modalities, including Ayurveda and energy healing modalities, including pranic healing and Reiki, plant-based nutrition, and yoga therapy. She integrates these 
intuitive healing systems and traditions in her writing, research, and teaching. She lectures extensively to medical students and physicians, as well as a broad range of audiences throughout the country. The subjects of these talks range from scientific talks on various traditional healing systems to interactive dialogues on meditation, yoga, lifestyle, and nutrition. Dr. Avanti is currently working on her book, which hopefully will be released soon, and she is an avid artist and lives in Chicago with her husband and two daughters. She is on the Advisors Council for the Osher Center for Integrative Medicine at Northwestern, which is the integrative medical arm of Northwestern University Medical Center in Chicago. So Dr. Avanti just gave her website this amazing makeover. I was on it the other day, and it is absolutely gorgeous. She has a whole abundance of information on there, um, ranging from information on meditation and yoga and Ayurveda and lifestyle and nutrition and recipes. She is going to be offering an eight-week online course on Ayurveda. It is not available yet to sign up for, but what you can do is go to her website and sign up to be on the waiting list, and she will notify you when registration is open. And it's an an eight-week online learning module where the lessons are delivered into your inbox. I believe there is some personal coaching that happens, but it looks like an amazing offering, and I know she's been working on developing it for quite a while. Her book will soon be released, and she is actually only almost a certified yoga therapist as well, which is really exciting. So I'm really excited to share with you this interview, and we are going to be talking again about Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga, and how Ayurveda can support mental health. Hi. Hi. How are you today? Good. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to do it. Um, for those of you that, um, don't know, do you, do you like to be called Dr. Avanti or just Avanti? Either is fine. Either is fine. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So (laughs) I, I, you know, I, um, I sometimes at work, I, there are doctors that just go by, you know, Dr. John or Dr. Sam, you know? Um, so I don't know, or some of them don't like to be called doctors at all. So I don't know what the general you know, etiquette is. Uh, so it's whatever you feel comfortable with. I'm really fine. (laughs) So Avanti, Dr. Avanti is joining us from the suburbs of Chicago, correct? Uh, Actually, Chicago, Chicago, Um, the city, the city of Chicago. And Avanti is a physician, uh, a medical doctor trained in originally Western medicine, correct? Yes, and emergency medicine, actually. Emer- emergency medicine. And now she practices mm-hmm. as an integrative physician who is really dedicated and committed to helping patients heal, find their kind of tap into their innate healing um, potential through food and Ayurveda and yoga and meditation. And mm-hmm. uh, I was really excited when I met Avanti at the conference um, for the International Association of Yoga Therapists in Newport Beach in June. And I attended um, the one of the special interest group meetings, and she spoke so eloquently about how she helps to train um, doctors who are in medical school to use some of these integrative techniques in her practice. So I was really excited to bring her on. 
Um, I am also a yoga therapist and a licensed psychotherapist, and I really um, am truly just committed to helping patients and clients tap into the to their inner potential to find their own path and journey of healing. So thank you for being on the show today. If you could tell our listeners about your own journey in becoming an Ayurvedic doctor. Sure, I'd love to. Um, so I started, um, as you said already, as a, a medical doctor in the Western allopathic tradition. Um, you know, I am first generation here. My parents emigrated here from India. And so we have a very strong ethic of studying, education, working, um, but especially for women. And so I was sort of always on this path to become a physician. It was about me always being able to uh, support myself. And so I sort of just knew I wanted to be in the helping professions and the healing profession of some kind. Um, and so I set my sights on medical school and I went through it and got to my emergency medicine training and just didn't feel very inspired anymore. I actually can remember, and I, I tell this story a lot when I'm lecturing um, to medical students about my journey. It was actually a night on an ER shift. It was a, a night shift, and it was probably about 3 o'clock in the morning. And um, I was just waiting for the next sort of, you know, stretch of ambulances to, to come in. And I had a couple minutes, so I just was lying down in one of the beds in one of the rooms. I just pulled the curtain and I remember looking at the ceiling tiles, and I actually can remember those ceiling tiles. I remember what the ceiling looked like very clearly in my mind. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I've probably seen 12 patients already. I don't remember a single patient's name. I don't remember any of the reasons that they came in, what they presented with. And I don't remember what they look like. And I sort of had this moment where I was thinking to myself, this can't go on anymore. You know, I was really, really not doing good. I was disconnected to the people I was helping. And more importantly, I was disconnected to myself, disconnected to my family. You know, my, my body was sick. Uh, I had all kinds of health issues and all kinds of symptoms. I found that my mind was just overwhelmed. I was a young mother as well. I had two young children at the time was married. Um, so I was juggling a lot of different things and my spirit was just completely depleted. And I thought I've got to make a chain change. And so I took actually a few years off to become, just be a mom, um, something I had never done because I had my children while I was in training. Uh, so I was always a medical student, medical resident while I had children. So I took some time to be a mom and I actually started doing some self-study of integrative practices of traditional healing methods. Um, and being South Asian, I grew up in the Ayurvedic tradition. It was part of my daily life. Um, we sort of just kind of lived that way, even though I lived in the States. And around the same time, also, my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, who was very, very close to, I called him Babaji. He lived in India. I used to see him every year during our winter vacations. I was very close to him, and he used to come and live with us for months at a time. I felt that, you know, he had, he had just passed away and I really felt that he was nudging me in a different direction to tell you the truth. Um, I'm his eldest, I was his eldest granddaughter, still am. Um, and I was the only one who went into the health professions. I'm the only one who's a physician. And I think that he was telling me, Avanti, you're supposed to be doing this, but in a different way, go back to your roots. And so I actually started studying Ayurveda 
Um, because I had grown up seeing him, you know, practice an Ayurvedic lifestyle. He lived to the age of 87. He had no medical problems when he died. He was not on a single medication when he died. He really lived an Ayurvedic lifestyle, you know, and he died because he broke his hip. And that was, of course, on his regular morning walk, which was 30 to 40 minutes. And he missed a step and broke his hip. And that was sort of the beginning of the end, as we say in Western medicine. That's very common to happen because he couldn't move. He couldn't do things for himself. He said, you know, I think this is it's time for me to go. So I think that really impacted me. All these sort of things, you know, happened at the same time for me. And so I reassessed and I actually um, started to study more. And I went back and got some training um, with other physicians um, here in the United States in Ayurveda. I still haven't been able to go to India to study for a long time because I have two children, but I'm sure I will do that in the, probably the next two years or so. But I've studied extensively here in the States. So that's sort of my journey in a nutshell. I love how, I, I love how you shared um, this, this point in your life. Cause I think we all like as healthcare professionals, you know, we, we start out in, in one arena and it can feel so overwhelming and so general. And then I, the more I talk to healthcare professionals, the more I hear these, you know, sort of stories where there's this moment where they kind of realize that, you know what, I feel really disconnected from myself. I feel really disconnected from the patients that I'm serving mm-hmm. because this model, whatever I'm, I'm, I'm working in right now is simply not working for me. And I think that we, I think a lot of us experience that, especially who have sort of gone off into more of these integrative specialties. Cause we see, we see so many patients and clients who have been in therapy for 20 years and nothing's working. And why is that not working? You know? And I think, um, I, I really love, I love that story that you shared about just really realizing, you know, this turning point for you. So with that said, what, and I know this is a, is, is a huge, you know, just the, this Ayurveda as a system, um, is, is, is a big subject. And I know that we, we don't have hours and hours and hours to, to talk about, you know, the intricacies and complexities of it, but, um, how, how, what would be the best way for people to understand what Ayurveda is? Um, yeah, so you're exactly right. I mean, I could teach you <laughs> for days and It's days, a lot. I've so. seen some of the textbooks. They're huge, yeah. you know, and then it especially is. when you go into to kind of flip through them, it's there's a lot of words that, that are not, you know, in English and it can be very overwhelming. Right, exactly. Um, so probably the best way to think about Ayurveda is, first of all, it is a sister science of yoga. So it's very, very intricately linked with yoga. Yoga is actually something that we do in Ayurveda, and Ayurveda is something that we do in yoga. So they go hand in hand. Ayurveda is the idea that when we live in harmony with the environment around us, nature, the seasons, the time of day, the people that we live with, the work we do, when we live in harmony with all of those things, optimal health is simple. That's really, in a nutshell, what it is. And so that means that if you can stay in harmony with everything around you and yourself within, you will have wonderful health throughout your life. It's when you are disconnected and out of balance, out of harmony with all of those things, 
that the symptoms start to start start to appear. The illnesses, you know, happen. So it's sort of the symptoms will appear if they don't get treated, if they don't get sort of course corrected, they become illness, which then leads to chronic disease, which is what we see in this country, right? So how many times have I heard from a patient or perhaps you have from a patient, you know, yeah, I've been getting these headaches, you know, or I've had, you know, constipation for years and years, or, you know, I just recently started having, you know, some back pain about three months ago, right? And so why has nothing changed? And so those, that back pain or that constipation or those headaches over time, if you ignore them long enough and you don't get you know, the message that you're out of sync, that you're not in, in harmony with nature or with your environment or even with your own self, um, that that is going to progress to illness and to chronic, to dis- chronic disease. So that really would be a nutshell of what Ayurveda mm-hmm. is. It's very more general, but you know, it's a 5,000-year-old science. Right. Um, it is the oldest healing tradition that we know of, and it's considered the mother of all healing because every other traditional healing system and allopathic medicine, actually, Western medicine, they all have their roots in Ayurveda. So it is actually the original healing system. It's a little bit of Ayurveda. Yeah, no. I'm getting into all the details. Right. But it it really makes sense what you're saying, because even, you know, I work mainly primarily in, in a mental health context and I see a lot of people coming in, you know, who have depression or they've been chronically depressed most of their lives or they have suffered some, you know, really adverse life experiences. So they have a lot of symptoms of traumatic stress and, you know, I think in a lot of ways that, you know, they're being given a lot of um, antidepressant medication, which I think has its time and place, but a lot of them have been taking it. And then they say, you know, but I'm still like, I'm not feeling any better. And then it gets called like treatment resistant depression, you know, but I've really come to understand that I think, you know, in the context of mental health, for example, you know, depression, a lot of the time can be a symptom of a root cause of something, you know, and depression is the symptom. And so I've tried to, you know, work really hard to educate my clients that, you know, depression is, you know, because we want to push it away, but at the same time, how can we sort of embrace it as a message from, you know, that's coming from deep within our bodies to tell us that something is out of balance, something needs to change. So what are your thoughts on helping people to cultivate that awareness to where they can sort of start to take a step back and kind of look at all of those, you know, layers and domains to kind of figure out what is what is out of balance and what what's creating some of those symptoms? So, you know, that's it's a complex question, actually. It's got a lot of layers um, and it also depends on the specific person and sort of meeting them where they are. But I think really the key um, and where I like to start is really you have to empower people to realize and to remember that they have this power to heal innately within them, Mm -hmm. that they don't Mm -hmm. have to go outside of themselves. Um, Part of what I see so much and also having been trained in allopathic and Western medicine, and also on top of that being in the emergency room, is that people are always looking for others to do the work for them or to tell them what to do. Right. Um, And yes, that's important. We're all facilitators. I always think of physicians and, you know, people who are in the healing professions, we're facilitators, we're guides, we're not healers. You are the healer. 
every person is their own healer. Um, So I think that when you can, first of all, get somebody to understand that that healing power actually is within them, Mm -hmm. everything can shift from there. That's a starting point. So I really think that that's where you have to start. And, and I think that, you know, yoga is a wonderful way to, to en- enlighten people to that, that, you know, yoga teaches us that we have everything we already need inside of us, you know, and, right. and yoga kind of helps to turn that light on to really right. see, you know, what is there and what's good and what's working and, and look at all, you know, look at all of the, look at the ways you've survived all of these. Yeah. So the adverse life circumstances are there, but look at how you've survived you know, throughout right. this time, it may not be the healthiest coping strategy, but it's, it's, it's ensured your survival up to this point. Right. Right. And so I think that it's that tuning into your own instincts to your own intuition and that tuning in may be, you know what, I need some help from a physician, an allopathic physician, or I need some help. Maybe I should try going to a yoga therapist, or perhaps I should try going to an Ayurvedic practitioner, whatever it is, or maybe I'll go for acupuncture or for a massage. It could be anything. Maybe I could have a cup of tea. Right. That, it can be that simple, but it is, it is tuning into what really will help you. And, and all that, that knowledge is within you to heal. So that's what I really think. That's where you have to start with people. So, you know, along that, that thought process, how would you, you know, guide either healthcare professionals or even, you know, people who aren't healthcare professionals who really either want to start learning and utilizing and integrative, integrating some of these holistic approaches, either into the care that they provide to patients and clients or just for themselves, where would you, where would you suggest people start? Right. So, I mean, I guess where I would say is, is exactly to start is what you said at the end there is that you need to start with yourself. You actually need to experience some of these things because it's very difficult to tell other people to try yoga if you've never tried it yourself. Mm, that's a great, that's a great point. That's an excellent point. I, I do think that experiencing other healing traditions, you know, or other methods that you're interested in is really important before you start telling other people about it. Because you can also speak from a personal experience. It becomes much more powerful when you're sitting in a room with a patient looking into their eyes and you say to them, I really think that yoga will help you. Because you can say it in a very genuine way because you've experienced something when you've gone to yoga. Right, right. right. I think that that's probably the most important place to start. And then from there, I think that the, the path you know, will sort of unfold because as you put yourself in a position to experience these different healing methods, whether it's yoga or Ayurveda or, you know, oriental medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, sorry, there will be opportunities that will, that will open up for more education. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to workshops to learn, you know, more about how to integrate it into your practice, or if you're actually going to go to a training to actually become certified. I mean, there's so many different ways to, to then, figure out how to incorporate it. And yeah, so it sounds like it sounds like what you're saying is that there is a lot of room for you to bring in your own embodied experience, you know, into the consultation room. Um, So it's not so much about just 
you know, showing somebody a technique or giving them a page of resources, but it's really about how you've healed and how you're modeling what is what is health for for you. Because I think I read somewhere that Ayurvedic doctor or it's something about Ayurvedic medicine that, you know, we as healthcare providers really have to model, you know, certain, a certain sort of image of health, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge our humanity that we are not perfect and we are continuing to work on our own health and wellness and journeys every day as well. So there's that balance between my, you know, my, my knowledge, but also my own human experience. Right. And so I think that that's, that's really important is that you want to have that connection of meeting people where they are, but then also having them understand that you've been through similar experiences, right? So when I'm talking to people about Ayurveda, you know, the first thing that I always tell them when we start, you know, any consultation or actually even any lecture, somebody's coming to a workshop to learn more about Ayurveda, I tell them, you know, this is a lifestyle. Ayurveda is a lifestyle. It is not a quick fix. If you're looking for a quick fix, this is not what you should be doing. Um, this is something you have to lean into, and you ha- it will take time. But I will tell you that it is powerful because the changes that you will see are significant, and they are, they are amazing. Um, but it does take time. And, you know, some people don't like to hear that, but others are very open to that because they understand that, yes, change and health is something, you know, it takes time to lose your health. It takes time to build it back up. Right, uh, right. So, you know, I do really tell people that, you know, I, I didn't start, you know, I'm standing up here, you know, talking to you about Ayurveda or consulting with you about Ayurveda, but it took me a while to incorporate it into my lifestyle. There are still some things in Ayurvedic practices that I really dislike doing (laughs) and I still have a hard time doing. I'm very open about that, but you start where you can and you do what you can. Yeah. I think that people, you know, I think it's just like the, that like the true reality is that change is hard and change is messy and we rub up against ourselves when we start to engage in a change process. So, you know, we, this, this idea of tapas and the friction that happens when you go to embark on a change journey, it is not always a pleasant, you know, joyful experience. Sometimes you have to really go through that, that friction and that, and that adversity to really get, you know, to a place of, of, of more peace and, and joy. So I, I really appreciate your honesty about that because I, I too have some practices that I know I need to be doing, but I'm, I feel very resistant to sometimes. It's human, it's human nature. That's okay. And you know, the other thing that I, um, also point out to people is that with Ayurveda, what you'll find is that you'll start a practice, you know, whatever, you know, habit that you're incorporating into your daily life. You may not feel the changes right away, but I can tell you after a week or two of just really diligently doing that every day, whatever it is that you've picked that you're going to start with, if you stop doing it after, and you've done it, you know, really, really diligently for two weeks, let's say three weeks, when you stop doing it, you will notice something. You will notice something doesn't feel very right. And that is a signal to you that some change has occurred. It's profound, actually, because you don't feel it necessarily. I mean, there are people who feel it immediately once they start, you know, drinking water every morning, for example. 
they can feel a tremendous difference. There are others who are like, eh, I don't know if I feel anything. If they stop doing it, that's when they feel it. So there has a change. There's a change that has occurred. It's really profound. Yeah. So it's gradual. And um, absolutely, I'm learning that, you know, awareness is so important. Just this, this act and this process of awareness and awareness is active. You know, it's something that it you is. have to constantly work at. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you know, our Ayurveda is, and just to, so to elaborate on sort of that point or take your point further is that about being active is that Ayurveda is about living consciously. I mean, I would say that that is another way to think about Ayurveda. It's about being consciously active, aware of what you're doing. And there's no right or wrong. But for example, if you decide that you're going to nap in the middle of the day and you don't feel so great, just be aware that that's why possibly that may be one of the reasons or that you can't sleep at night is because you took a nap during the day. It's a very simple example, but when you are conscious and aware of what you're doing, you can make changes, right? You can, you can figure out how to course correct. So that's really what Ayurveda is about is being aware of what's going on inside of you and around you. Right, right. I really want you to tell us a little bit more about the book that you're working on, because I think that's really mm -hmm. exciting. Um, but before we do that, I would love, you know, I, I know, again, this may be a really loaded question, and there may not be a real simple answer. But when you think about some of the um, common issues that a lot of people in our country are struggling with, like, you know, sleep problems, chronic pain, depression, anxiety, heart disease, hypertension, diabetes, I mean, the list goes on, right? So what, um, what are some strategies that, you know, maybe people can begin implementing, you know, right away? I, I know we, we talked a lot about, you know, just being aware and being mindful and being more conscious of, of, of your actions, but what are, what are some accessible strategies that people can start right. to utilize? Sure. So without getting into all of the details about why the, these are suggestions, because mm -hmm. there is a reason and, and it's um, embedded in Ayurvedic philosophy about energy and, and the daily rhythms and where the sun is, all of these types of things. I'm not going to get into that, but I'll just give you some simple examples, which would be, um, first of all, to eat with the seasons. Now, we hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very, very fashionable to talk about, you know, seasonal eating and local eating. Well, that comes from Ayurveda 5,000 years ago. That's what all of our ancestors have done throughout every culture is eat with the seasons, whatever's available. So I think that that's one strategy um, is that to, again, tune into what your body wants. I always give this example. I live in Chicago. It's very, very cold here in the winter. I mean, we have about four months of nice weather, which is right now. And the rest <laughs> of the year, it's kind of really cold and yucky. Yes, I've um, heard. And, the Windy City. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you the number of people who I meet in lectures in my office who, when we talk about what they're eating, they tell me that they're eating salads in the middle of winter and, I, and raw vegetables, right? Which, you know, they've heard, obviously, that raw is very good for you. It can be at certain times of the year is what I would say from an Ayurvedic perspective. And I ask them, do you really want to eat raw vegetables and salad in the middle of winter? And most of them will say, no, actually, I don't. <laughs> so there you go. It's, it's tuning in. If you really don't want to eat salad, but you're only eating it because you think you should, it's actually not really doing anything for you. And in fact, it's actually throwing you into out a, a, a disharmony even more in, in the Ayurvedic philosophy, again, without 
finding without going into all of that. Um, so I would say that eating with the seasons is really important. So eat the fruits and vegetables that are widely available that are in season at that time of the year. Um, don't be eating strawberries and blueberries in the middle of winter. That's, right. That's in, in, in the yeah. United States. Because you know? they're not growing um, during that time. <laughs> exactly. They're being flown in from somewhere else. That's really great. But um, it's not what you should be eating. You should be eating those berries in the middle of summer because that's what you need. So that would be probably the first thing I would say. And again, it feels really funny to give these tips without explaining more, but I'm, I'm just going to stick to what you asked me. Yeah, uh, but I think it's, it, it makes a lot of sense because if you think about if you really tune in to how you feel in the winter and if your body is just you're trying to get warm all of the time, you know, a salad just isn't going to provide that comfort and that and that um, sort of satisfaction. You know, I'm thinking more right. of like a bowl of soup or, you know. Exactly. So, exactly. Or even if you're even if you do um, if you're non-vegetarian, right, if you do eat meat, which, you know, Ayurveda is a vegetarian tradition, but, you know, I meet people where they are. There's nothing wrong with eating meat. If that's, if that's what suits your body and your lifestyle, then you should. Eating something that's a little bit of a heavier meat, a little more fatty in the winter makes sense because your body needs that. You're not going to really need to be eating such a heavier, fattier meat in the summer when your body is trying to cool off, Right. So it just kind of intuitively makes sense of what your body feels like. So you know, I always give two um, suggestions when about eating the seasons because a lot of people are very intimidated by it. They're like, well, I don't know what's in season, which of course is confusing because we go to our grocery stores and we can get everything any time of the year because right, it's flown right. in from yeah. anywhere and everywhere. Yeah. Um, I always tell people, look for what's cheapest in the grocery store, in the fruits and vegetables anyway. Usually, usually those items are going to be on sale or a little bit cheaper when they're in season. So that's one clue. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is look to your culture that you came from and to the res- recipes that were traditionally made by your great grandparents or your grandparents at that time of the year. That will give you clues as to, you know, what kinds of things are, are great recipes for that time of the year because they ate very seasonally. So if you look back you know, ask your parents, ask your grandparents, you know, what did you eat in the summer? That'll help you also. So those are two little tips with eating with the seasons. I think those are, those are very accessible techniques. And, you know, I, I can relate a lot of, you know, people feel very overwhelmed when they go to the grocery store. I mean, we're just bombarded with, with thousands of options, you know, that's why I really appreciate the little farmer's markets because the options are limited. And like you said, exactly. there it's what's being grown right now. And you're, you know, you just have a very small little, you know, pool of options to choose from. It's less stress, less overwhelming, simple. And so, it's better for you. Yeah, and it's better for you. So I think that's a really great strategy. So I really am excited to hear about your book. Tell us about your book. Sure. Absolutely. So um, I'm writing a book right now. It's on Ayurveda, obviously. That would be the topic, <laughs> I would think. Um, it's actually a very short book, and it's trying to make Ayurveda very accessible to everyone. Um, it's actually, the title is Ayurveda for everyone. And it's just a very short introduction to Ayurveda and to some strategies, 12 to 15 strategies. I haven't quite narrowed down. I've I've got 15 or 20 actually, and I need to narrow it down. Um, I'm in the editing process right now, but 
easy strategies to implement into your life and having no background from Ayurveda. What I've seen is that there are beautiful, wonderful, gorgeous, very knowledgeable, amazing books <laughs> that have been written by many of my colleagues on Ayurveda. And I think they are absolutely amazing resources. But I think that those are for a certain group of people. Those are for the people who are already interested in integrative medicine, who perhaps have already been yogis for a while or have been meditating or whatever it is. They have a deeper interest and, and they want to learn more about the ins and outs of Ayurveda and really, really delve into the philosophy and really understand it. Um, and they're wonderful resources, but they can be very overwhelming for the average person. And so I wanted to make Ayurveda really accessible. So I've written a very, very short book that's very simple to understand, really so that people can kind of lean in, which is what I always tell people is I just want you to lean into to the Ayurvedic lifestyle, see how it works for you. And then, you know, as you see these changes, you'll want to delve in further. And then there's all these great books and all these different things you can do to learn more. But that's really what my, my book is about. It's, it's an introduction, simple, accessible easy for people who want to um, incorporate Ayurvedic principles into their life. I think that that'll be a wonderful resource. When do you anticipate it being ready? Um, I'm hoping that it'll be ready by the fall, which is, I realize, only two months away. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) creeps uh, up on you. (laughs) Yes, it it, it will probably, it'll be ready in, in the next two to three months latest. And then it'll be available on Amazon or your website. Yes. Okay. So everyone can, can keep an eye out for that. Mm-hmm. So tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can learn more about your work, possibly contact you if they have any questions sure. or want to get in touch. Yeah, absolutely. The best way is probably my uh, website, which is uh, avantikumarsingh.com. And you can read all about my background, my journey, um, what I do, where I'm speaking. There's a contact form there. There are some resources there. So everything's on my website. That's probably the easiest way to connect with me. Okay. And I will post that website on our show notes for the listeners so they can have that contact information. And are there any books that, that you, that you think are accessible that people can shop for now or pick up or any kind of quick reference guides that you would recommend? I mean, obviously we want them to buy your book when it comes out, but um, anything that they can get in the meantime, like if you just really want to go out today and, and start reading about it. Right. So you can look up any of the books that are written by Dr. Vasant Lod, L-A-D. I have heard, yes, I actually have some of his books. Yes, he's considered sort of the uh, father of of Ayurveda in the United States. Um, Any of his books, you probably want to look at the shorter ones. Mm -hmm, He has mm -hmm. very, very deep text books for people who are studying Ayurveda. But there are some good ones. Um, that would be a good place. The other one that I would actually suggest is one that was written just very recently by my colleague, uh, Dr. Dilip Sarkar. Um, I'm just one second. Yeah. I remember his, I remember seeing that book at at the conference. Yeah. The title is yoga therapy, Ayurveda and Western medicine. Um, and, and it's, it's an excellent book. I've read it already. It's very simple to understand. It's very detailed. Um, there's a lot in here, but if you want something to start with, I would highly suggest 
that's a good resource as well. I think the the workshop he presented, I I was in, and um, he was showing us a lot of the techniques from the book, like neti pot, and uh, which I do. I've been doing a lot, which has really helped my sinus issues. So, because <laughs> um, okay. I live in a play in a forest, and there's so many allergens. So that that is a great resource. So Dr. Yeah. Vasant Lad and Dr. Dilip Sakar. Yep, those two authors. I think you can find both of their books on Amazon. Yeah, I think you're right. So I, think, yeah. I think that would be, those are good places to start. And then um, also one of the way that people can connect with me is on Facebook or um, on Instagram. Okay. So, and those, um, those links are also on my website. Okay. Great. So people can go to your website, which is beautiful, by the way. And, uh, and, um, and they can, and they can make contact from there and get all of your other social media handles and um, learn all about your work. Yep. Yeah. Well, I am just so grateful for you giving us your time and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom with us today. It's been such an honor and pleasure to talk with you. And I really hope thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. My pleasure. And I really hope to um, have more conversations like this in the future. I would love that. Thank you so much. Well, take care. And uh, thank you. You as well. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Sure. Bye. All right, everyone. Well, that is it for today. I really appreciate you taking the time to tune in. Remember that this podcast is not a substitute for treatment from a licensed mental health provider, nor is it a substitute for a relationship with a doctor. In the show notes, you will find several national hotlines that I've provided for your convenience if you or someone you know is in need of additional support or resources. If you liked what you heard today, please head on over to the iTunes store, leave me some love in the form of a review or a rating. Believe it or not, this really helps others to find the podcast, and I really, really appreciate hearing from you guys and your thoughts about what you heard today. And absolutely, if there is a topic that you want to learn more about or you're interested in um, hearing about, please let me know and I will do my best to bring you that content. You can email me directly at Zipora at innerskytherapeutics.com. It's T-Z-I-P-P-O-R-A-H at innerskytherapeutics.com. And you're welcome to connect with me on any of the social media platforms mentioned. I also wanted to let you know briefly about a project that I'm involved here in the Southeast. I've started the Southern Yoga Therapy Association, which is a local and regional group made up of yoga therapists, yoga teachers, yoga students, people who just love yoga, and other holistically minded healthcare practitioners who already integrate or are wanting to learn more about how to integrate yoga and other contemplative modalities into their healthcare practices. We offer monthly educational clinics, peer supervision, and generally work to collaborate with other local groups here to build awareness regarding the benefits of yoga and healthcare. So if this resonates with you head on over to Facebook and request to join the group Southern Yoga Therapy Association. You will be asked a few questions before joining. Really, this is just to ensure that we maintain a safe space. It's to protect the group members from any spammers or anyone who might be peddling anywhere. So I really encourage you to head on over there and join the group. 
please tune in next time. I will be speaking with Anne-Marie Johnston, who is the founder and director of Yogamate, which is a global online resource for yoga therapists, yoga teachers, yoga enthusiasts, healthcare providers, anyone who wants to know more about yoga. It's a wonderful online resource and platform. So I really encourage you to tune in and um, listen to that interview. So until next time, I want to leave you with the compassion meditation. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be free from suffering. And may you know peace. Remember, everything you need is already inside of you. Take care. Thanks for listening. Namaste. Namaste.